it's here. This is the third episode of the Creatively Crazy podcast. The first time that I'm doing it uh, on location at someone's home. Usually do it in the studio, main stage podcast. Yeah, they have a sweet ass studio. It's very nice, but um, I'm trying to find time that they can do it and I can do it and going downtown and the person I'm interviewing has to be downtown and it's just and I don't do them regularly like most podcasts are done on a regular basis mm -hmm. and I've done three and it's just very sporadic but I think that's fitting for the topic because <laughs> mental illness is very sporadic <laughs> it's not really a reliable thing so a lot of times I've not recorded my podcast because I'm depressed so and there's kitties. There's yeah, no kitties at the... She's eating my cord, which little, is amazing. little crazy, crazy kittens. There's no kittens at the studio, and your couch is comfy. I know. This is why I never get off it, oh, man. Fuck yeah, I'd sleep on this bitch, too, even though I have a boyfriend. I'm I sorry, keep honey. The couch is comfortable. Do I need to put you away just in the sun and fuck down? Aww. You're so cute. cute. Anyway, uh, so... It's about, I don't know how much you know about it, or if you listen to the whopping two episodes I have, and I've yet to have my theory uh, confirmed, because I feel that, uh, you know, obviously creativity and mental illness have a connection, because most creative people have mental illness, uh, regardless of whether they're comedians or artists or writers or whatever, but I feel that it's... I'm trying, I'm trying very desperately to find a positive spin on mental illness and how it, it's, it's, it, if we didn't have mental illness, would we have so much creativity? I don't know. I feel that my mental illness, my anxiety, not so much the depression, although I can get some material out of it, mostly the anxiety, helps my creativity uh, and spurs it, and if I didn't have those things, I would just be a regular normal person that was happy with their cubicle job yeah. and clock it in and out and I wouldn't care. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of the take on the on the on what I'm trying to do with the podcast. I haven't so far the two podcasts I've done have not been they they did not agree that I that uh, that that the mental illness is basically worth it. Like I feel it's worth it. It's a struggle to have mental illness but in I feel like it's like a trade off. Like but that's how much I love comedy. I'm not any other kind of artist. I can't draw or paint, mm -hmm. uh, do anything with my hands. I have no other creative, <laughs> creative abilities uh, other than comedy. But that's how much I love comedy, is that it's okay if I'm crazy, because that means I get to do comedy. But, yeah. yeah. And you, I want to interview you, because you're so, you're open in your comedy about your mental illness. Like, right open enough to just be like, yeah, I just got out of a mental hospital today, like, literally, <laughs> just came from there, and, which I think is awesome, because everybody wants to, like, hide it for some fucking reason, and not talk about it, and we need to talk about it, because so many people have it, right, you know, I found out my friend, like, totally was gonna kill herself, and wrote letters, and it's somebody you would never have thought was gonna do that, mm -hmm. but she never talks about it, I was like, why didn't you talk to me, you were depressed like that, yeah, I don't want to bother anybody. Yeah. I'm like, well, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that, well, that's exactly it. Like, with that whole, that whole stand-up, the reason I was able to do it is because I had just gotten out. Yeah. Now, if you would have tried to get me on stage before I went in, there'd be no way. But yeah. it's like, on the other side of depression is, mm -hmm. is for me where I find, like you said, the bits, the creativity part of it. Yeah. When you're in the midst of it, 
I can't see anything funny. I can't see anything creative or beautiful. It's really hard to focus in on that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, it does, it spurs me to be more creative. And also, I was always naturally creative yeah. as well. So they, they kind of feed each other. So a lot, of, a lot of my best work has been through some of the hardest times in my life. Yeah. So, and I think that's true with a lot of artists, like, I don't know, like, going through turmoil definitely, I guess it makes you see in a different perspective, and when you're able to do that, that's what creativity is, is mm -hmm. viewing it from an artistic point of view instead of the way normal people would view it. Yeah. Which is exactly how mental illness is, like, we see the world differently, mm -hmm. like, and people who don't deal with it they can't conceptualize it because they've never had that perspective. I always say things like, I get sad sometimes. I get the blues. Oh, uh, yeah, like when I was trying it's to Monday. date, I was talking, talking to this chick, and she's like, yeah, I, I understand, I get sad sometimes. I'm like, Bill, that's like saying I have cancer, and you're like, yeah, okay, I get it, I get, sometimes I get colds. <laughs> you know, like, um... But even people that have it don't understand other people that have it because it's all so different for everybody. Right, it is. Like nobody's nobody's mental illness is like snowflakes. Yeah. The two is alike. Yeah. So uh, you can get it and then also not get it. But uh, so what? Like okay, so what's the the first question? What's like your like creative career? What's your history with creativity? You said you've always been creative. Well, I started out young, mostly drawing. That's what I did. Coloring, drawing. Um, I did claymation type. Not claymation, actually. Yeah. But, like, I'd make clay things uh, when I was in elementary school. I took one art class in sixth grade. Uh, didn't have any other artistic teaching at all. Yeah. Um... My dad was a draftsman, so he could draw really well. But my mom, she she was more of the crafty type person. Yeah. And I'm not really crafty. I'm more, like, artistic. Um, never really did anything with it until the last couple of years where I started showing it to people. Yeah. Know? So a lot, a lot of times I just do it for me or my loved ones as gifts. Yeah. So... I saw some. I didn't. I never have gone gotten to go to one of Tim Maggard's late night shows on, on mm -hmm. the final Friday shows because they're so late on a Friday. I'm so tired. Um, it's awful having to get up so early on a Friday that I just. I mean, I can't be somewhere at midnight. Yeah. I've been up by midnight. I've been up almost 24 hours. Right. And and then if I try to take a nap, then I'm just done for the night. So I'm old. I really want to get to a show eventually of his. But I know you showed some art. Mm -hmm. at one of his shows and I saw the pictures of it and it was really good and I loved all the ones I saw there were just there was different layers and just different uh, things used yeah in it and yeah well I actually didn't I start start painting until 2014 I'd never yeah. painted before yeah. I I'd done a lot of um, in high school and in my 20s I did a lot of stuff with pastel work yeah. That was my like my go-to. I always used pastels because it was messy and I liked it and I could work with it. Um, then I picked up a paintbrush in 2014 and that like since then that's just been yeah. something that I've 
trying to work with them. Like I said, I have no training, so I just play with it and stick whatever I want on it. I like the mixed-media aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like building on top of things. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. Um, So when did you start... When did you start doing comedy? Uh, August of last year, so 2016. So a little less than a year. Yeah. And how did you you end up doing that? Actually, um, my friend Carrie was in it, and she was like, you want to come to one of my open mics? And it was at the ball opener. And so I went, and it looked so fun. Like, everybody that was up there on stage looked like they were just having the time of their life. And I sat there, and I was like, I feel like I make people laugh when I'm in a circle with friends, you know? Yeah. I asked Carrie, I was like, that looks like fun. And she's like, you should do it. And I was like, Carrie, you know, yeah, right. And she's like, no, seriously, you should try it. Now I know she says that to everybody. (laughs) Because she's so into it. She wants people to do it because she enjoys it so much. She wants others to enjoy it as well. But she was right. Like, yeah, I got on stage first time at Barley Corns, and it was off the dome. I didn't even know I was going to go up until about an hour before. Yeah. And I got a good reception, and it felt like a runner's high when I got off. And mm-hmm. that runner's high is what made me keep coming back. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have booked you on Friday if I didn't think you were funny. Uh, I don't, like, especially that specific, I mean, I've put, that specific show, I don't book just anybody on. Uh, because it's, it's like the show I put on regularly, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like my baby, and so it's not just some show I'm putting together. So I'm not just sticking, like my very first show, I kind of stuck. Some people on there I wouldn't put on, this one particular person. But I wouldn't put on ever again. But it was my first show, mm. and it was actually a really good show, and everything was fine. But now I'm a little pickier about who I want to put on my shows. But uh, Friday's show was so amazing, and I got everything on uh, on the video. Yeah, exactly. I got to get it all edited and shit. Um, but uh, I thought the lighting might be a problem, but it turned out to make us all look amazing. My skin looks great. Wonderful. I was like, does my skin really look like that? Because it looks amazing in that light. Um, anyway. But, uh, no, I think you're funny. And, uh, I enjoy your comedy. And I like your comedy for the same reason that a lot of people like my comedy or Carrie's comedy is because it's... And I don't know. Most female comedians, their comedy is just real. Mm -hmm. It's just their life. They're not, they don't usually have shticks or, uh, that's the kind of comedy I like. When somebody's getting up there and they're just telling you true, you know, my comedy's like 90% true. I never, I've never actually bought a dick and kept it in a drawer and locked it away when my boyfriend made me mad. (laughs) That never happened. Um, I have gone and purchased a new dick, but I didn't lock it up when I got angry. It was just a funny thing that I threatened to do. So, uh, but yeah, it really, all my stuff's true. I have... A daughter that's dating my ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's a reality. I finally right. made a joke about it, though. And it happened a couple years ago. It happened before I started comedy. And I really wanted to make... I've been trying to figure out a way to make mm-hmm. it funny this right. whole time. Because yeah. then when I make it funny, I've conquered the pain. Right. I've conquered it. Because I made it funny. I took this thing that's like the most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. Right. And I've made it funny. Mm-hmm. And everyone likes it. And it's a good joke. And so uh, that's how comedy helps me with my depression and stuff is that but I'm sickly obsessed with comedy in a way that not a lot of like I don't think I don't know if you are but like I'm like 
even when I'm being depressed or something terrible happens. Mm -hmm. That's why I got the tattoo. It says at least I can get some good right, material. Right, always Because even about... when something terrible happens, I'm like, this is so awful, but I bet I can figure out how to make it funny later. <laughs> you know? And so it's just always this ray of, like, hope and right. light in my life. Comedy. Um, so, yeah. But, um, so now you do comedy, but you've always been an artist. I think that you haven't had any formal training is good. I don't know if if that's always necessary. I mean, there are a lot of comedians that did acting classes and whatnot, but there's a lot of them that have not done any classes. I think everybody has their own way. I don't think I would be very good at being trained to do something, especially like comedy. Right. I just like, I've always been like, you talk about how you don't like to be told, told to what do, to do. So, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't like being told what to do, so... Even if I took the class... <laughs> Hi, Kika, come here. I don't like being told what to do, so even if I took the class, I would probably just be go do whatever the fuck I want anyway. Kika, you know what I mean? Come so, here. Come here. I love black cats because nobody come loves here, them. Everyone thinks come they're on. like the ones that don't get adopted at the, at the Humane Society. For anyone listening to the podcast and not watching the video... Uh, all like maybe one or two of you. There's a tiny little black kitten here, and it's this adorable. This is her third day here, and she already comes to her name. She just comes to you because you feed her, <coughs> and she knows you're the one that gives her food. She loves me. Okay. It's the real kind. <laughs> She's cute. Speaking of, um, I don't like being told what to do. I actually just came from my parents' house. Mm. And, uh... We painted rocks today for fun. I guess that's what my parents do in their old age, is paint rocks. Um, and so I painted one, and of course I wanted to keep the natural beauty of the stone, so I just followed the lines that were already in the stone and colored in the patterns, right? Yeah. That's just like that me. Makes sense. Right, and the rest of them were like trying to make theirs into like whales and pizzas and stuff like that. Like real things? Yeah. Yeah. And... And, like, my sister came over. She didn't know which one was which, but she, she saw mine. She picked it up. She's like, this one's way too intricate. This is definitely Erica's. Yeah. Because the attention to detail is just, like, too extreme. But it's just, like, we were talking about, um, we were having a conversation about something, and I was like, oh, she said she's going to give me a book, a workbook that goes along with a book. I was like, first of all, I don't read that much. And second of all, if you add work to it, it's not fun for me anymore. And I was like, also, I don't like to write on other people's works. I like to write my own work. I was like, if you just give me a book with pages, like empty like pages. Like a self-help book? With a workbook? I mean, I've seen Yeah, that. yeah. Kind of like that. But I'm yeah. just like, I don't, I told her, I was like, I don't like to be prompted. Yeah. You know? I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to answer that question. I want to talk about something else. I was like, how about you just give me a book with just empty pages, and yeah. I'll work on that. Yeah. But it's just, it's like you said, I don't... I don't like being told what to do. I don't. Like, no. if you tell me, it's just... When I I'm, like being on the outside kid, of formation. When I was a kid, instead of doing the dishes, I would lay on the kitchen floor and go to sleep. On the floor of the kitchen, rather than do the dishes. Which would have taken me ten fucking minutes. Mm -hmm. I get it now, I have kids. I'm like, just do them! It'll take you ten minutes! Right. But no, I would, I would lay on the fucking, fucking floor... On a rug and sleep <laughs> instead this of doing cat the dishes. Is obsessed with your face. Hi. Hi. 
Which is interesting. Maybe she wants to go home with you. No, Maybe man. Maybe she just found her new home. Absolutely no, man. No. She's trying to make out with you. She loves I got, you. I got four cats. Look how much she loves mm -hmm. you, though. No, Do your other cats love you like that? Yes. I have four <laughs> cats, and two of them used to be tiny kittens, and they loved me. Um... But my dog's still alive. They're my son cat. My son's cats. I have two dogs and an iguana, and we are probably going to get some pigs. We saw a pig at Pride Fest today, and, and Drayden, the boyfriend, he's been wanting a puppy, a little puppy, because of Carrie's little puppy, and he wants a little one that he can get registered as a emotional support animal so we can take it everywhere with us. And we're going to get our... Okay, the plan is to have the RV someday and travel around do comedy, like, soon, like three years. How are you going to do with all these animals? Well, they're not mine. The dogs will probably be dead. They're older. Um, uh, Banking on that. Yeah. Yeah, I love them, but, you know. Don't stop me from my dream. And then, comedy, man. I don't know what's going to happen to the dogs, but comedy. Um, and then the the three of the cats are not mine. They're my sons. When I got the two cats as kittens, I made it very clear that I was not committing a 20-year commitment to these animals they were going to be theirs and when i'm ready to be done when they're grown if if they don't take their cats they can go with me society i don't know they're not my cats and then one of the cats my son rescued from outside totally his cat <laughs> and then minnie is my cat and she is a perfect rv cat she loves to ride in the car and her little thing and she doesn't meow and she likes to go on car rides so minnie is going to be in the rv with us and then our pigs there you go. Be little pigs uh uh Hildy and uh, I forgot her name, a boy. We already got names. We already got names. Well, the reason we ended up with two because he wanted this brown one. I was like, no, that brown pig looks boring. I want the black and white spotted one because it looks like the Jersey cow, and I love those black and white cows. And then, so I was like, well, I just have to get two. So I won't be lonely. I don't know, man. <laughs> I can't have another cat, though. I'm full up on him. Right. And I have an even amount. I like even numbered things. Mm -hmm. My son's going to get a snake, so we'll have two, like, reptile-y things. And then I have two dogs, and there's four cats, so we have to have two pigs. I have four children. I only have one boyfriend, though. But, uh, I can't handle two mm -hmm. of those. Mm -hmm. But, uh, anyway, yeah, no, no cat. It's adorable. I love that you have it, and a lot of people, my brother has a kitten now, um, mm -hmm. that came to him and is meant to be so that's great for you people but I'm full up on cats see she's already letting people pet her I've been training her to get used to the hand above her head she's a good girl she's pretty she's tiny she's cute I she wish they would stay little like that so what is the what a, what is the uh, history of your mental illness what is the how did that all progress when did it first manifest that was wow manifest noticeable That's not by a word my mom would use yeah well i mean i i'm manifesting demons i'm of the <laughs> well not like that i'm of the belief that okay because i didn't have like crazy parents really i mean we were poor we moved around a lot but i had a pretty good childhood i didn't i don't have all this you know i talk about it on stage i don't have all this abuse or neglect my parents loved me and spoiled me and fucking told me how beautiful and amazing it was every day um I really think I was just, I was born with a chemical imbalance in my brain that may have been, you know, exasperated mm -hmm. by some life events and choices I made. 
after childhood. Outside of my parents. Yeah. You know, or even choices I made as a child mm -hmm. uh, that I chose to expose myself to. So, you know, but my parents never did anything to me. So I don't think I was like... I think I was just born broken. Like, my brain's just... My brain's just wired different. And so I think I was just born like that. You think you were born like that? Well, I think that's part of it. I think it's a little nature and nurture, as most things are. Um, my great-grandma on my mom's side was... Had postpartum in the 40s. So she was actually in an insane asylum for mm -hmm. a good 20, 30 years. And then... She was, was in the insane asylum for 20 or 30 years? Yes. Like, locked up? Yes. Woo. And then That's when those turned into mental wards, she stayed in it until she was so elderly she had to be put in a nursing home. So when I actually met my great-grandma, she was in a nursing home, and she was in her 80s and could hardly speak, but she had gone through terrible things, like been raped and there and, like, been mistreated and abused. Yeah. So, her mistreatment with her mental illness, you know, uh, and then pretty much most of the women on my mom's side of the family have dealt with some sort of mental illness. Um, my mom and her sisters have all been on medication, been diagnosed with certain things. Um, I don't know my dad's history very well, but it's pretty strong on my mom, so it's definitely my um, heredity to have it. I think it might be in mine, like, that we don't talk about it, and they're not big on going to the doctor. I know that my grandmother, my father's mother, had a nervous breakdown and was hospitalized for, like, a month. Um, but they don't ever, no one talks about those things, and they certainly don't go see therapists or uh, get on medication for anything. I know my dad had bouts of depression, um... But it was just, it was just never anything anybody ever talked about. And then if, if my other family members do have any mental illnesses, it's not discussed. So I don't know. I don't know my mom's side of the family. Yeah, I don't know my dad's side at all. And so. his parents are past now. But, um, as a kid, we never talked about those things. Those are things that I've learned as an adult mm -hmm. now. Um, because I've asked questions. And, again, they always tell their experience, so I don't necessarily know the truth of all these yeah. incidents. I do know that where my mom stands today is no medication, uh, reliance on God only. Yeah, that's my mom pretty is all, much my, my grandma. My grandma's always been that way. Um, you know, I walked into the house last night. Asked everybody how they were doing, they're all doing good, and then someone asked how I was doing, I decided to be honest for once, and I said, not good. Yeah. And, uh, they were like, what's going on, or whatever, and I was like, well, here's, here's a lowdown of a couple of things I'm going through, whatever. Yeah. And the first response I get was my grandma, who piped up and said, well, I know a friend that will always be there for you, and you will never have to be alone, so you just need to trust in Jesus. And I was just like, I just started weeping. I was like, I did not come here to be told I'm doing it wrong. I wish that worked for me. You know? And I was like... Wouldn't that be nice? I was like, I just came here to be accepted, you know? I just... I wish Jesus worked on me. Like, I was yeah. into Jesus as an adult that's, for three years. Well, that's like, the hardcore. thing. And like, I've talked about it. this with other people, is sometimes I wish I would have remained in the faith and just been ignorant. 
because yeah. it's very, very easy to to do to live that life where, like you, you said, don't worry about nothing because God's all in His hands. Right. So you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, I wish, but I've my eyes have been opened and they can't be closed now. Right. Yeah. Like God damn it. Yeah. I saw so behind just, the curtain. Yeah. Yeah, because I was really into church as an adult on my own for about three years. Mm -hmm. Like, so bad that I don't even remember doing some of the things I did. Like, I gave my best friend a pamphlet on Christian dating. Don't remember doing it. Um, I, I did the whole speaking in tongues thing. I fucking tithed 10%, even though I was poor and on food stamps. I... Did everything I was supposed I only listened to Christian music. Mm -hmm. I gave away all my good CDs and mm -hmm. didn't watch anything over PG mm -hmm. and um, lived at church all the time. And I wasn't happy, but I was content for a minute. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, then I almost died, and that's a long story. Then I almost died, and... Uh, was terrified I was going to go to hell, and then I was pissed that if I, I would have died, I wouldn't have died in peace. I wouldn't have died. Uh, there was no peace for me. Like, oh, I'm going to go to heaven and meet Jesus. I was terrified, and I didn't want to die. And so, um, I didn't feel like God was there. And my life was just getting shittier and shittier. Mm -hmm. Like, over that three-year period, things were just getting harder and harder. My dad got sick, and my mom's mom died, and... Uh, I got sick, I almost died after I had my son, and things were just getting harder and harder, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? And then they just, they always like to bring up Job in that situation. Yeah, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah, like, oh, but just like Job, you know, Job had all this stuff, and he didn't, it's the, God is testing you. I was like, right. well, God's an asshole. Yeah. Fuck him. If he exists, he's a dickhead, and, and, and if he doesn't exist, I'm doing all this for nothing. So, no, I don't, fuck this shit. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. Don't tell me what to Kika, do. don't bond with her. What's going on here? Uh, you see this? Yes. Why is she loving on you? Why is she because not over here? she can sense my my love for her. Or my immediate don't love. You, don't she I'm, sense my love, Kika? I try to, uh... I try to, like, come off as this hard-ass bitch... I probably don't do it very well, but I want, like, people that don't know me to think I'm, like, this hard-ass bitch, but when I see a kitty, you know I'm not, because I'm like, oh, kitty cat, it's a kitty, it's a puppy, um, yeah, I love the kitty. Can I hold you, or do you just want to be loved by her? It's just somebody it just new. It's just somebody new. You probably smell don't all my Don't play with fire, kitty. Don't play with fire. Um, okay, so... When did you actually get any, did you get any sort of diagnosis as a child? No, I was, when I was a kid, they just, I remember not being happy with myself at age 11. Well, it was before that. It was before that that I hated myself, but at age 11 uh, was the first time I did any, like, self-harm. Yeah. Um, they didn't know about it, of course, until I was in my 20s. Like, they didn't, in middle school and high school, if I was down, I'd spend my time in my room. And if I came out, they'd always say I have a bad attitude. Yeah. That was the thing. 
you have a bad attitude. You need to quit having a bad attitude. And so I learned at a young age that if they asked me how I was doing, I would just tell them I was tired. Because I couldn't tell them that I felt bad. Because they would find some reason, you know, why. My first time with a therapist was at Oral Roberts University. Um, I was 20 years old. And she told, well, I was getting ready to turn 20, I believe. And she told me that uh, the reason I was depressed is because there was some sin in my life or something that I had not cleared with God. And that's why I was experiencing the pain. I didn't go back to her. I quit that school that semester. Um, Went to a couple more Christian counselors and just was defeated. Yeah. So I didn't actually get any good therapy until I turned 26. Which was how long ago? Seven years ago. Okay. And then that's when you started medications and Mm -hmm. that whole fucking... Nightmare. Nightmare. Well, I was on medication for probably a year or so. And then uh, what had happened was... I was in an abusive relationship for five years, and then when I broke up with him, that was my first time hospitalized. Um, So I was 26 when I was first hospitalized. And I started taking medication, but I was also an alcoholic, so my doctor told me to quit drinking. So that's why I got sober. And... About a year after being sober, my AA sponsor told me I should not be on any man-made drugs. That all drugs were a blockage between me and my higher power. Oh my god, it's the same thing as going to church. Yes, and so she (laughs) told me she wouldn't sponsor me unless I got off all my meds. So I did, and things got horrible. And a year or two later, I fell apart and had to start back on meds. So I've I've gone through maybe five years where I've been consistently on or off something, but there's just so many kinds. I'm med intolerant. Um, My depression's pretty much untreatable, so. I, uh, I had to try a bunch of them, and it's, and the doctors straight up tell you, like, we don't know what's going to work for you. Right. Let's just, uh, you're just going to be a guinea pig for right. a little while, and uh, the doctor recently, uh, I wanted, I just wanted her to give me, like, my meds working pretty good. And I didn't, like, they doubled it a year ago. It was hell for, like, a week. I didn't want to deal with upping it. I just wanted her to give me some Xanax that I don't even need to take every day. I just want to take it sometimes when my anxiety, I have, like, breakthrough anxiety and it gets too much. And she didn't want to give me it. She wanted to up my medication. And I was like, well, I really can't handle and up in my medication right now. I just started a new job. I can't lose my mind for a week. I can't. Um, I just need some Xanax. And she was hesitant about giving it to me. And I said, look, Doc, um, like, don't prescribe it to me. I'll just get it from other people. Or I'll drink. Or I'll do something to relieve this anxiety that I'm having because I have to do something to relieve it. So I can either self-medicate or you can give me a prescription for Xanax. Um, and so she ended up giving me the prescription, but it's not something she's going to, like, give me on a regular monthly basis because it's not something I'm supposed to take every day. But I just straight up told her, look, you're either going to give me some Xanax or I'm going to just self-medicate. I'll mm-hmm. get it off the street, whatever I need to do. Um, so she gave me some Xanax. But, uh, 
Because I really can't, I mean, I probably do need to up my medication. It's been a year since I've been on this dose. It's probably time that I up it a little bit. But I, I, I just can't handle the, it's going to make me crazy for a week until, maybe it won't this time because I went from 75 to 150 last time. But I just can't take that risk. I can't lose my mind at my job for a week right now. It's just mm -hmm. not a good time to lose my mind for a week. I mean, I lost my mind. A year ago when I took it for... That's when I fucking quit my job and moved to Denver and all that shit. It was when I upped my dose of medication. I quit my job during that uppage. That's when I fucking did all that. And decided I was just going to get rid of all my shit and give my boys to their dad and move to Denver. Because they upped my dosage. I can't deal with that right now. Right. So, <laughs> this medication's working for my depression anyway. It's not messing with my anxiety. It's not really helping my anxiety as much as it used to, but it's helping my depression, and so just give me some Xanax. Ow! That's my toe, kitty. So, yeah, like, the medication is like... I mean, I understand those people that say to not take it or whatever. I don't know. If that works for them, that's great. But it shames people that need to take medication into feeling bad that they have to take. Like, I don't feel guilty that I have to take high cholesterol medication. Right. But why... You get shame for taking happy but, pills. But I get shame for taking my mental, my crazy pills. Right. Um, when it's the same thing. I have a, my brain doesn't work right chemically and the pills make it chemically work right. So there's no shame in taking medication if you need it. And if you're cool... With not taking it and your life is fine, that's good for you, but it doesn't mean it works for everybody. But, uh, I've gone through many medications, though. Like, you know, the, 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 they all have side effects I can't handle. Mm -hmm. They make me feel sick. Or the worst one is they all make me fat. And, like, I'm already fat. Like, and so, like, they all make me fat and not care about sex. One made me fat and I still wanted to have sex but I couldn't climax so I was fat and unable to have an orgasm yeah I feel real happy about life now so they all had these horrible side effects that I just couldn't that it was like is it the side effects were worse than not having the pills mm -hmm. but this last time when I got on medication was after all the shit went down with my daughter and I was like anxiety has usually been the root problem for me and then it I get to a point where I'm so anxious I'm not sleeping and I'm not eating, which leads to a depression. Mm -hmm. Depression is not the underlying issue, but depression became the underlying issue after dealing with all that shit, and I really wanted to kill myself. And if I didn't have my sons, I probably would have. So I was making plans, which I normally, I haven't done since like eighth grade, actually mm -hmm. set out like a, like a suicide plan, mm -hmm. uh, how I'm going to do it. And so uh, I was like, I got to go get on some something. So I don't want to kill myself every day. And the effects store really works. And I didn't really have any side effects. And it's been um, an amazing uh, addition to my life. And I'm glad I have it. And sometimes I forget to take it. And that sucks. But now I have my little pill holder. And it reminds me every day. It's why I have the pill holder. is really the crazy pills. Because I would forget to take it for a couple days. And then you start it again. And then it's just all fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, man, why do I feel like dying for no reason? Oh, I haven't taken my pill for three days. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you have a story about the twitching in the face. Mm-hmm. Pill. Did the pill work? I don't remember. Mm. I think I was, well, I didn't take it long enough to really mm. have 
a good read on it. You started making your face twitch. I yeah. don't know if that's a, <laughs> if that's a side effect I can handle. No, it like, wasn't. Yeah, like... And I didn't know it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. but even if it worked for and you... And then the one that I was on a year ago made me gain 40 pounds oh, in eight months. And I'm, I'm like on the pre-diabetic scale, like one point away from being yeah. pre-diabetic. And I was pissing all night, and, like, it wasn't working at all. Like, yeah. it was just making me feel like shit. And I'm like, I, that was one of the requirements, too, for me, was don't put me on a pill that's going to make me gain weight, because that's, that's part of my self-esteem, and if I gain weight, I'm going to feel like shit. Well, and just so physically, defeats, I'm tired, and just physically, purpose. I feel bad, and you're, it's like, gaining weight's going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't gain weight. So either. I'm on the same thing now with Exer, but they're screwing with it because I've been sick. Yeah. And they, you know, I was having some weird side effects, and so they've taken me down. I was almost on a max dose with it. What are you on? Well, I'm on 150 now. Yeah, that's what I'm on, but, but I think I need to go to 225. Like, well, the thing is for me, like, they immediately start me off at a high dose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they almost max me out every time they put me on something. Immediate, like, right out the gate. Yeah. Because it's just... It's so intense, they don't even know how to... Like I said, I've been on Effexor since March. I had seven good weeks, and... What is it? Nine or ten weeks that have just been shit. So, something's not working right now. Yeah. So. I, uh... I don't know if you did it, but I... I know... You hung out with my ex one day, and he said you said something about having uh, uh, electroshock therapy. Did you get that done? <laughs> no. What happened, I started going through the process of it in January of this year, and my insurance made me do all the requirements for it, like the EKG, the everything, yeah. the x-rays, all of it. Had to do everything prior to getting it done. Then my insurance comes back and denied it. Denied the treatment. Oh my god. So right now I am in the process of quitting marijuana um. in order to get my current doctor to send in information to my insurance to have TMS done, which is a less evasive procedure but very similar. Uh, but her office is, like, the only one in town that does TMS, so she's making the no marijuana requirement. Yeah. So right now I'm coming, like, coming off of marijuana, too, as well, and it's just like, I'm hardly on any meds. They're not even, she hasn't even adjusted or looked at my meds. You know, she's taking me off, like, I'm on a nightmare medication as well, and she took me off, I was taking two, and I only take one, and I wake up every day drenched in sweat. Yeah. So it was just like, I told her, you know, if I have to quit smoking, that's like, let's, I need something to be done. Yeah. Drastic. Yeah, I can't just be crazy while I wait for the insurance to approve it. That's nuts. But, you know, I heard you talk about your mental illness before that, you know, and seeing, like, things you said on Facebook or heard what you said on stage or whatever. But I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay. Like, like she's going to have electroshock therapy. That's like... But then I'm like, is that going to work? Like, does that work? Like, then I'm like, if it works, then, like, do you lose? I don't know. All, well, the only thing I know from ele about electroshock therapy is because of uh, Mad Men. I don't know if you watch Mad Men. 
but one of the <laughs> minor characters on there got it, and she completely forgot things. Well, yeah, it does cause cause short-term memory loss really bad. Um, it's changed a lot since back then. Um, a lot of people now are uneducated about how it is now. Yeah. But I am in a group therapy in a group in a therapy group with this girl that has done and is currently still doing ECT treatments. And from what I've learned a little, little bit, I see her her memory is bad on the short term. Like, while she's getting them, she won't remember anything. Uh, you have to have pretty much someone taking care of you. Mm -hmm. um, and for her, it seems like when she's getting them done regularly, she's good. Yeah. But if she's not getting them done, like, she's... But, I, again, I don't know her diagnosis or anything like that. Well, if all the medications don't work... What else are you left with? Yeah. And, and it's proven successful... In certain things like bipolar, um, and one of the things that it's known to be helpful for is long-term severe depression, which is what I have. So, you know, I thought it was worth a chance. My great-grandmother had it back in the yeah. 40s and 50s when it really fucked you up. But yeah, um, TMS is similar, but you don't get put under for it. Um, I think it's. One, I, I have a whole video I gotta watch on it. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, exciting. I wonder but, if it's like one of those videos they do for the training when you go into a new job and they have the sexual down. harassment videos yeah. and it's just really cheesy. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about TMS. Mm -hmm. What can you expect? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but all I know right now is it's five days a week, an hour a day for seven weeks. You have to sit in there and have you be hooked up to something. I don't know. We could watch it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm curious. I am a little curious, too. I am watching it because I'm scared. Yeah. The only reason I haven't gone into reading up on it much is because my insurance sucks so bad that I'm fearful that all this is going to go you through and it's going to get denied. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm hesitant because I'm like, I'm giving up weed, you know, I'm going to be... And this is like government insurance for government yeah. workers insurance. But I chose the cheap one. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, like, and it's messed up because when I go to the doctor, I have to drive somewhere else to get lab. Any yeah. lab work. Yeah. It's just a pain. Yeah. So, I'm planning on changing it, but again, it's it's hard because with mental illness, you don't know what they're going to see as proof for why you're so whacked out. Yeah, like you know. my insurance, the effects are... Because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. <coughs> they won't let you have it until you've tried for other medications. <coughs> yes, that's true. <coughs> I have a friend that got on it right away, though. <coughs> that's the first thing he's ever tried was Effexor. I don't know what insurance he has. <coughs> Excuse me. Whatever Dylan's has. His insurance just gave it, but the insurance I had... <coughs> oh, my God. Different. When I, got, when I started the Effexor, would not... The doctor had to, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I've tried other things. Let's make a list. And so <coughs> I was able to get the effects or, But without insurance, I didn't have it for a little while because I didn't have insurance because I quit my good job. Um, and so, but it's like $200 a month without insurance. And I was like, so I just didn't have it for a few months. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> but really, uh, I could totally be a spokesperson for Sativa Chiba Chews. Um, those, like, fix everything for me. 
if I had, if I lived in Colorado and could have sativa chiva chews all the time, I don't even need to get high. I could just eat like half of one or a quarter of one. And they make everything better. Like even when I'm not on them. Like everything, like they, they solve all my mental problems and my body aches and everything. They're like a magic pill for me. Mm-hmm. Weed smoking does not help me. Like it helps some people. I wish it did. It does not. Right. And that's kind of the debate now is I've been in therapy for many years, tried many medications, been hospitalized numerous times, and this whole time I've been smoking. And so a lot of weed is naturally a depressant, so unless you know what strain you're getting and depend, you know, a lot of it, I don't know, there's unconfirmed studies that prove that long-term cannabis use by depressed people can keep you in a depressed state longer. Yeah. So, I mean, from my point of view, it's like, if this route that I am taking is not helpful, obviously i got to cut it out. If yeah. there's some, you know, and I've heard about CBD oil and things like that, and so I'm just, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, well, obviously what I'm doing is not working, so let's try this route. If that doesn't work, then we'll try something else, you It's know? harder here because... Uh, where it's legal in Denver, you can, like, uh, the boyfriend had physical issues I talked about the other night at the show. Like, I thought he was going to lose his feet. They were physically cold. They were blue. They looked dead. Then he got high, and he was, his feet were fine. And so, um, but going to the doctor and telling him, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I smoke pot and it makes it better, but I still want to find out what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. If I was in Denver, would be easier to do. Um, right. And you can go, I don't know, have you ever been to Denver to a pot store? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just go in and yeah. there's all sorts of different kinds of weed. And edibles and and drinks and all sorts. And they know their strands. They grew it themselves. They know it from birth. They know everything about this plant they're giving you because they grew it in their thing. They are so cute. They grew it in their thing. And so they know all about it. But here, I mean, a lot of the pot dealers here try to be like... Yeah, I got this strand or that strand. You know what I mean? But, but they don't really, they don't really know. know a lot of the times. They don't know what they got. And so, unless they're getting it from a dispensary. I know I do have a connection that gets it from dispensaries, and it comes labeled. So he really knows what he's getting. But they don't know what they're getting. And so you never know what you're going to get. And uh, it's not the same. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense, though, if you really don't know how the drugs are going to affect a clean system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we're giving that a try next. But, you know, it's just like, I wish I was in Colorado because I've heard that microdosing is awesome. Yeah. And you only have to do it a couple times a year. Yeah. You know? What's that? Mushrooms. Oh, yeah, like yeah, Like, you yeah. do it for a period of time and then you could be off it for a while and then... I don't think mushrooms are legal in Colorado. They're still illegal everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. You can do that here. I know, but I can't when I'm on medication. That's the yeah. thing. It's like, it's like in Kansas, I can't smoke pot and have it be approved by any doctor along with my medication. Mm-hmm. That's why she won't do the treatment because it's in Kansas. Yeah. So, and I can't do, you know, any heavy like hallucinogens or anything of that sort. I can't do ayahuasca yeah. unless I'm completely off pills. Yeah. So it's just, it's, you know, and a lot of me, 
it's been such a long road of pills and pills and pills and pills and nothing is good enough. Nothing satiates it. So it just, just ends up making all the depression worse because it's like this stuff is designed to no help me. Hope. It's not working. Nothing's helping me. I'm just gonna. I. I'm just like this. And so, like, trying to accept that you're... Untreatable. I still get depression stuff, even with the pills, but I know that mine's not long-term. Like, like, mine doesn't last that long. It just, I wake up some days and I'm depressed. But I know that it's going to, I'm going to wake up someday and not be depressed, and it's going to go away. Right. Um... And so when I'm in those depressive states, I see a ray of hope because I know that I'm going to eventually wake up out of nowhere and feel fine. See, and that's, I guess, the dark reality for me. And every time in treatment, they ask me, where is my hope? And I said, I always say the same thing. And I'm like, I know it's going to get better because I know that depression is cyclical and it will pass. I know that as a fact. Like, there's going to be a day where I wake up and I'm not going to feel this horrible. But I also know there's going to be a day where I am, too, going to wake up and feel this horrible. Yeah. No, so for me, it's just like, what limited ounces of peace can I find when I know it's going to happen again? And for me, with my depression, it's kind of like you can't undo what you've done. So for me, each depression is worse. Because... I don't know, like, for me, it's like, the the deeper I dig, it's like, the next time I go there, I'm that bad. It's kind of like being an alcoholic for me. They say that alcoholics, when they pick up drinking again, yeah, they will go to the same level that they were previous. They don't yeah. start off just sipping. sipping. They just go yeah, straight to. Yeah, that's how to, people, like, drug addicts. That's how they eat. overdose, because yeah, they, they get sober, out. and then they go back and do the same amount that they were doing before, because... Mm-hmm. Their body's craving it, and then it kills them. Yeah. You know, and it's, so it's just, it's for me, it's just like, it's hard because I know the next time I'm depressed, there is a possibility that it's going to be as bad as last time, if not worse. Yeah. Because I've already been there. You know, so it's just like, I'm battling a more, a bigger beast, as it were. And, and for me, it's hard to figure out how do I make that smaller so that, and the thing also for me, like, I've gone through enough therapy that I, a lot of times I get out of my depression quicker. Like, mm-hmm. it, it may last, long, uh, last a really long time, but as soon as I'm out, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know, but before it was like, it would taper off. Like, now it's kind of almost immediate. It's like one day I'm just like good. That's how mine always is. I just, I just wake up one day and I want to die, and everything sucks, and I hate everything, and I don't enjoy anything. And then I go to sleep, and I just wake up, and, but mine's like, yeah, not just everything's fine, but, like, everything's way too good. See, I don't wake up, I've never... You don't get the manic part? No, I've never been manic, so it's Uh, just... Manic is awesome, okay. That's what I've heard. It, it is not, it's not awesome because when you're... destructive. When you're manic, you can do stupid shit, like spend all your money and have have fucking uh, dangerous sex. And there's bad things about being manic, but God, it feels so good to be manic. And that's the, that's one reason I fought taking pills for so long, is because if they do take away yeah. the high, mm-hmm. um, my manics 
I still get manic, but it's nowhere near what I was before because when you're manic, you feel invincible and the sky is bluer and the trees are greener and everything's awesome and you're productive and I'm so creative when I'm fucking manic and I can just fucking write all sorts of comedy and do all sorts of creative shit on the computer and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting shit done. Getting shit done. And I don't have those periods anymore with the medication. I don't have the high that I used to have, but the, and I used to say that, and I think I said this on my very first podcast when I did, um, was off the medication, that the high, it wasn't worth losing the high. The lows weren't bad enough to worth losing the high, Why but. Why smelling shit? The lows, you know, the lows have gotten lower in the recent times than they've ever been, so I can't, um. You know, I'm just, I'm really grateful I have children, <laughs> because, uh, especially, like, my sons that are completely dependent on me for their care, because their dad is not really around, I mean, he gives me money, but that's it, because if I died, I know they have to go be raised by him, but when I was really, really depressed, before I started medicine, I told the guy I was dating at the time, what's gonna stop me when they're grown, and they don't need me anymore, I mean... What's going to stop me when they don't need me for their survival and they can take care of themselves? What's going to stop me from killing myself? Because that's the only thing stopping me right now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but now I have comedy. <laughs> I sound so terrible. No, I had this conversation with my brother a couple of years ago <sighs> because he he's dealt with depression too. And uh, it's through one of my rough times that he told me that one night... He got. He was gonna go out for a ride on his bike, his bike, uh, motorcycle, and he felt dangerous. And he said that he thought that something bad might happen, but he didn't care. And my brother's like really kind. He he was in the process of write like he's writing a book for his son, um, writing something I think every week or every night or something about something he did or, you know, and then when he's 18, give it to him, yeah. you know, and he started writing that letter that night and it kind of was starting to take the form of a goodbye letter, like, if I, if you don't see me again, yeah. and then he realized what he was doing, he crumpled it up and he threw it away, he's like, I can't get on that bike tonight knowing that mm-hmm. I could potentially die and leave my son here, Yeah. and I was talking to him about it, and it was like he was saying that his reason a lot of times to live was for his son, yeah. you know, and I kept telling him, I was like, yeah, but sometimes kids die, you know, what do you do then, and I was just like, it's hard because you have to find something within yourself that's worth hanging on for, Yeah. you can't find anything, but even your own children, which mm-hmm. is sad, but anything in this world is shakable, like you can't find any sort of reasoning or some, you know, reason to live that's outside of you. It's got to be something within you. That's why it's good to have comedy. That's why it's good to have a passion, something that you know you always have. Yeah, because I feel, I mean, there are a lot of factors in comedy that I don't have control over. I I can't control who wants to book me. I can't control what festivals want to have me. But I can always find stage time. 
you know, and I can always get up there and tell jokes and do my thing, and that's, it's something I have control over, really, um, and it's mine, and I love it to a very, a very, what feels like almost an unhealthy amount of obsessive love with comedy to the point, I've always been very, like, codependent on relation, romantic relationships and I usually have this kind of love for another human being where I need them mm -hmm. and which is a dangerous thing to have because people aren't reliable and they go away and so uh, but now it's like uh, no matter what happens to me as long as I have comedy I feel like I'm gonna be okay like I was supposed to have my tonsils out last year April 6th but I started uh, comedy March 16th so I didn't get my tonsils out because uh, it would have meant I just got started I didn't want to like lose the momentum and not be able to talk and be laid up with my tonsils out <laughs> so I didn't get my tonsils out because of comedy and then I keep getting strep infections which is dangerous to continually get strep all the time um, you should probably get those taken I out. should probably but when can I not you know I got shit going on, man. I can't. You, gotta, you can't you gotta, talk. You gotta take a. Ugh. Gotta take care of your health. I know. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna die. Doing what you love. Because I wouldn't get my tonsils <laughs> out. Doing what you love. Doing what I love, though. I'm gonna die prematurely doing what I love because I had a completely preventable illness because I just wouldn't get my tonsils out because I could not talk for a couple weeks. It's, it's hard. It's ridiculous. It's hard it's not to talk. It's an unhealthy... I have an unhealthy relationship with comedy. I really do. It's all I think about. I think about it all the time. I mean, I love my kids. <laughs> and it's not like comedy is more important than them. Because if it was, I would have not. I would, I would have deserted them to their dad and, <laughs> and wouldn't have cared. So, in the end, the children won out. But it's really a close second. <laughs> like, super close. I'm glad. And I explained this to Drayden when we started dating. I said, look, you have to understand how important comedy is to me. Like, if I, if it's your birthday or anniversary and I've got a show, we're going to go to the show. If I'm scheduled, if I, a good show. Or, you know, or I get booked on a comedy festival, I'm going to go to the comedy festival. And you can come along and we'll celebrate your birthday there. You know, like, it's it's a priority, and it's going to be the priority, because it's going to be, hopefully, my future, and I need it, and that's, it's very important to me. And, uh, he's seen, since he's been here, <laughs> how important it is to me for the comedy. Um, but I don't think that I could do comedy if I wasn't mentally ill. Or I wouldn't be able to do it very well. That'd be boring. Yeah, what would you talk about? I don't know, because my mental illness is what has led me to make all these fuck I know. all this fucked up saying, shit. Yeah, if I would have gone through, like like you said, about 90% of my stuff is true as well, with some embellishment. But all my stories are true. Yeah. A lot of times after some of that stuff, people are like, are, are you serious about that stuff? I'm like, yeah, yeah. that really happened. I like, that. I'm not, I'm more of a storyteller comic like you, yeah. and I think that's that's why women are a lot more original when you see a woman comic, because yeah. they tend to be more storytellers. Yeah. Um, whereas guys can have more gimmicks or, or wordplay and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's therapy to get up there and do it. But, like, what would I, what would I say? I wouldn't have, if 
my life was Christian cookie cutter middle America, there'd be nothing funny about it. I'd be so fat if I was still a fucking Christian. Yeah. If I had stayed with my ex-husband and continued on mm-hmm. that path, I'd be a big fat muumuu wearing church lady mm-hmm. with cankles. Yeah. And when I go to family events and I talk with family, they're, they'll try and tell me jokes <laughs> and or funny observations and blatantly, like my grandpa a couple months ago, he was like, I got a funny story. He was making fun of an obese black woman, which was not only racist, and I don't know why he was telling me this story, but just straight up rude. Like, I mean, it was comical to me because I see the hilarity in it because it's so outrageous. Like, Christianism, you know, like, that whole thing. It's so outrageous that it is hilarious. Yeah. But the sense that he wanted it to be taken funny, he wanted me to laugh at this woman with him. Yeah. Laugh at the sadness of this woman. Yeah. And that's not funny. It's the way that my grandpa was laughing at her that was comical. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I don't get that sense of humor. Like, around my family, the thing to do is just to hang shit on each other and talk about people that are not as good as you. You know, and it's just... It's, How Christian of them. It's, it's just sad. Yeah. I don't, uh... I think, I don't know my mom's side. I know we get my humor from my mother. Um, my dad's side of the family is kind of a corny, they have a corny sense of humor. So I definitely get my sense of humor from my mom's side of the family. I want to know them better. We just got reconnected with my mom's side of the family. Um, and I found out that every woman on my mom's dad's side has had breast cancer. And so all these years I've been like, no, I have no history of breast cancer. And then turns out that, like, yeah, I should have had a mammogram already. But I think I'm alright. Or I could be dying right now. <laughs> like, we're all know. dying. But, yeah. you know. like I Some could. faster than others. But then I'm like, hey, if I die, think of how funny my comedy will be to people. Because they'll just see the potential in it. They'll be like, she could have been so great. I probably wouldn't have been it. I will be much greater. No room greater, to disappoint. Right? End up on top. I will be much greater top. in memorandum yes. than I probably People would, will ever be are. in real life. And that's a lot of times yeah. why I want to kill myself. And they'll be like, I want to show these fuckers how great, great of a human being I was. See how funny she was? Man, if she was still around. They'll remember all the when, good parts. Really, I probably am going to piddle out in a year and it's all going to be over. But if I died <laughs> right now, I would. they'd be like, she had such comedy potential. Which I probably don't. But they would think I did. Right. But they could have like, 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 uh, annual, uh, comedy shows on my death, mm-hmm. you know, like, bursary thing, uh, to celebrate my life so I could live on forever if I died right now. But it has to be like a tragic death. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, you can't just die. And I really don't think, I think we're getting a little desensitized to suicide. So I don't, I think if you kill yourself, it's not going to have the same effect as if you died of breast cancer. You got to have the breast cancer, you got to have the struggle. You have to have the aneurysm. You gotta still do comedy through the breast cancer, and then you die, mm-hmm. and then you're a this warrior. a warrior, and you stayed funny you through stayed it all, strong. and you had so much potential. You won the battle, but See, it so still comedy won. can always make it positive, even breast cancer. I'm kidding. I don't want to die of breast cancer, and I'm terrified now. I'm pretty sure I'm all right though. My mom doesn't. My mom's boobs are fine. Sometimes it skips people. So I'm assuming my boobs are fine. I don't know. I had a breast reduction. They didn't find any cancerous cells, and they took four pounds off each of my breasts. <laughs> um, that was like 15 years ago, though. So 
I have to get a fucking mammogram now. But I probably am going to write a joke about it. I'm sure there's plenty of mammogram jokes, but this joke will be about my mammogram. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm scared for have you. Have you had a mammogram? No, I'm scared Yeah, you're for not you. old enough. Oh. I'm scared for My you. boobs hurt I've for no reason. I've been scared for a decade for them, and I know what? I'm not even close to getting I was one. really hoping they'd have some advanced technology by now. I know. They're still smashing it. Like, come on. Why are we still smashing titties in 2017? You guys got, like, laser cutters and shit. Right? Can't you, like, just Robots send can... in a bot and, like, scope it out? Robots can do surgeries now. Just Why go do we have a nipple hole. something? You got cameras that small. Why we still got to smash titties? <laughs> I got the only way. titties, too. It's it's a way to punish women. I'm sure there's other ways, but they're just My so misogynistic. They're for like, no reason. just smash those titties. <laughs> no one's putting any effort to find a better way. So we gotta smash the titties. I don't want to smash my titties, but I'm gonna have to. Cap. I'm gonna smash my titties. I'm disappointed in you. Why if I was a cat, no one would want to smash here. my titties. Maybe if I have more warmth around me, because she likes that you have jeans on. Maybe if I do this, she doesn't person. love me more. I'm just new. I'm just new. I'm just. New. It's just like my dog. Whenever someone else is here, I'm like, you act like you've never been loved before. Yeah. Like no one's ever touched you. Oh, I need to get some. I need to get some human connection because this bitch just lays on the couch, tells me to fuck off. <laughs> no, I know that. Why would she take you if she wanted to tell you to fuck off, cat? You're cute. You have but, cute um, face, kitty. So your official diagnosis then is is what? Mm, major depressive disorder. Mm. However, my therapist has been talking a lot about BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. Oh uh, yeah. Which I have not qualified for all. Like I'm one short of qualifying for it. You gotta step it up, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, but I think Jeez. a lot of doctors. Slacker. And you're so close, you're almost there. Well, a lot of doctors medicate me and treat me like I am. Oh, yeah. So. All these years of study that we have been doing on all of that shit, and they still don't know. It doesn't seem like they know any more than they used to. What's sad, though, is like BPD is like of the mental disorders. It's. It's one of the ones I think it's, that is shamed a lot more because it's the crazy girl um, one. Well, you know, my there's a there's from the only social. It's because like dealing response with some, that I've gotten is that they they think that it's crazy girls who will slash your tires and like go. Well, psycho my, I mean, I've known men with borderline personality disorder, and they're usually explosive and verbally abusive. So it's like, you understand they have a mental illness that's causing mm -hmm. the behavior this way, but that doesn't mean that you can stand it, right. you know? So I've been in love with a couple different people that have borderline personality disorder, and it's, it's, it's the hardest one for other people to deal with, to deal with too, because somebody being depressed is kind of annoying mm -hmm. to deal with a depressed person, especially if you're not depressed, because you're trying to have a good day, and then you got this mm -hmm. Eeyore hanging mm -hmm. around. Or an anxious person, you know, the, that can, like, fuck up your social life. So can depression because you don't want to go anywhere. But borderline personality disorder can be abusive. People that have it, they don't mean to be. Mm -hmm. They don't mean to be. 
they, they have a mental illness. It's, you know, so you have this, this they don't want to be an asshole. Right, that's actually um, the one question that I don't qualify on. They don't want to be an asshole. I, uh, actually, until recently, I've never, I mean, I was in a five-year abusive relationship, and one night I punched him in his chest because he was manhandling me. But he was crazier than you. Right, that was self-defense. Yeah. Um, but I've never gotten in a fight. I've never hit anybody other than that one time. I've never slapped anybody. I've never gotten into an altercation with anyone. I'm very passive. Like, yeah. I don't like confrontation. I don't like fights. My ex was I, all, they were all verbal, both of them. It was all verbal. Yeah. They just would tear you, they would just tear you down verbally. See, and I don't do Throw that. stuff around. Maybe in your general direction. <laughs> but not punching or hitting or anything. Like no. That. See, for me, it's always been when I get verbal, it's against myself. And that's, that's, I don't know. Like, I've never really, and up until this last relationship, I've never told someone how I truly feel about them. Oh, I always fucking tell everyone how I feel. And I've never, like, verbally, I've never verbally, it's like, I don't verbally assault people. I, uh, I, I have been. Until lately. I say. <laughs> so now I might be borderline. Yeah. I say I've been, yeah, you made it. I'm not made right. it. You're verbally abusive. You got all the signs. Uh, I'm not verbally abusive. I don't think. I don't know. I don't have a lot of tact, uh, and I just tell people uh, like I'm born without the thought, the filter between thought and speech. So if it comes in my brain, I'm going to think it. Now, in my older age, I've learned when I'm really angry to remove so myself from that person before I say horrible things to them. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that, like, if I'm having a fight. Uh, like, Drayden and I don't fight, which is weird. Um, we have had one, like, I guess you can consider it a fight, but compared to, like, the fights I used to have, it's not a fight. But I, I was like, I'm going to go upstairs and calm down before I start saying mean shit. And so I went upstairs and I calmed down before I started saying mean shit that I was going to feel bad about later. Um, and that I didn't really mean. And and so, but yeah, I can be really fucking, because it's just whatever comes, it, like if it comes in my head, I'm, it's going to come out of my mouth, good or bad. Which is, 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 is not always good. Sometimes it's good. I mean, at least people can trust what I'm saying, because I'm just incapable of, and if I try to lie, I'm going to admit the truth, mm -hmm. like immediately. I'm a terrible liar. But it can come off as verbally abusive. I can be, um, I've been described as abrasive, uh, emasculating. I've been told by more than one man that I am emasculating, uh, which I just think is they're fragile. Like, if I'm emasculating you, you, you must have a fragile hole in your manhood. I'm just saying, like, I'm not that bad. I'm not mm -hmm. that bad. I, but I'm going to tell you how I feel when I feel that way. If you're annoying me... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go lay down in the bedroom. And if you come in and you say, are you okay? Are you annoyed with me? I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm a little annoyed with you right now. So I'm going to lay in, TV, in here and watch TV away from you. Because you're annoying me right now. Mm -hmm. And some people see that as abusive. But I see it as like, when you live with someone, they're going to annoy you sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Overall, I love you. Right now, you're annoying me. And I'm going to tell you when you're annoying me. But, uh, some people don't like to hear the truth, you know, so, 
But I don't think I've ever, I don't think I would consider myself verbally abusive. Have I had to apologize for some of the things I've said from time to time? Yes. Yes, I've had to apologize because I went too far. And there are some thoughts that you should just leave in your head. Because you don't really think that all the time, even if you truly are thinking that at the moment. Mm -hmm. But you can't stand somebody. you got to leave that in your head. Until, like, if you think you can't stand them every single day, then fine, let it out that you can't stand them. But if it's momentary, don't tell them you can't stand them. Because then they're just going to be out there in the world, and you can't get the words back. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, in my dealings with people that... I've dated Caden, my, you know, Caden, he has borderline personality disorder, and, uh, so, you know, uh, we should have just stayed friends, because as friends, you don't see any of that, you know, if you're not with them every day, all the time, he's able to, to keep it under control, and, and never talk to you like that, and keep it, but when you start spending a lot of time with another human being, is when they start to see that, side of you that you're able to keep under wraps with people you're not with all the time. And so, uh, but yeah, I would say, am I dealing with people that have mental illness, uh, depression or whatever, that borderline personality disorder was probably the hardest one to deal with as a, as a other people, as the person that was around the person with borderline. But I don't know what to do. You know, what do you do? I mean, you were doing everything you can do. If you have borderline personality disorder and somebody thinks you're an asshole, what else? Well, you're doing everything you can possibly do to fucking fix it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like my ex Andy had it, but he was—he wouldn't take any pills. He wouldn't do therapy. He, wouldn't, he was just an asshole and wouldn't do anything to fix it. Mm -hmm. But you're doing everything you can to try and fix whatever it is that's wrong with you. I really thought you'd have a more solid diagnosis. Well, it's major depressive disorder. Yeah. That's the one I have. Yeah. It's just not, not many people are actually diagnosed that. Yeah. So. See, they don't know shit. Yeah. The doctors See, still the don't know anything. See, the thing is, like, I don't have any history of, like, verbal abuse. Yeah. Like, it's not in my charts. I, like, I'm the, generally the one that's, I mean, I'm verbally abusive to myself. Yeah. But never, never to other people. Like, I, I've gotten... To the point in my life where if I see injustice being done to me, I'll say something. Yeah. And so a lot of people do see me as an asshole because I will tell you that you're offending me and that I don't like it. And people don't like being called out for things like that. And I, because I'm more sensitive to those things, they're, they're an oversight for other people. Well, so, I've gotten to the point where I have to ask myself... Is this is a, is this person legitimately doing this, or is it my mental illness Perception. making me think they're doing this? So I have like I have I've had to like give myself times out timeouts to actually like am I legitimately upset right now? Do I have a legitimate reason to be upset right now, or am I just being crazy? And a lot of times I'm just being crazy, and they didn't mean that. I was just reading the whole situation from my clouded mental illness. You know, my mental illness was clouding what was really happening and was was clouding reality. Sometimes I'm legit mad and I have a reason to be. And, you know, they have done something stupid. So it's like you never, it's like hard to tell sometimes, though, what is reality and what is... Your perception. Your, your mental illness goggles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you have mental illness goggles 
That's but, how one of my therapists always says to me. She's yeah. like, you put these goggles on. That's the exact word yeah. she uses. Yeah. See, I've never been to therapy. I don't even go to therapy. I already know. You already know it. I already know things. See, when I go in, my, I don't even know why I go, because the only thing she says is I don't know what to do with you. She doesn't know what to do, so it's just like, why am I paying I don't have anything to talk about. Like, you know, that's why I've never actually gone to therapy, because I really think I was, I've gone, the only thing, therapy helped me pinpoint when my anxiety really kicked it up a notch, and that was when I almost died, because now I'm afraid of everything, because I woke up one day and almost died by the end of the day out of nowhere when I was in my early 20s. So now that's when my anxiety got kicked up a notch. And then the shit with my daughter really kicked things up a notch as far as depression goes. So, I mean, I know the trick. I know what started it. I don't have these things that I need to work through. Like like I said, I don't have these, like, deep-seated childhood traumas um, to work through. I don't have anything to talk to a therapist about. Like, what am I going to talk about? Mm-hmm. I just, just give me the drugs and send me on my way. They like that anyway. They just want to put you on different pills, so I just make it easy for them. Like, here's my problem. What pill can you give me to fix that pill? That. All right, let's try that pill. I'm going to leave now, and then I'll see you back uh, if this pill didn't work. <laughs> Some people, therapy works really well for them. Different kinds of therapy. Uh, Big Papa E was talking about the therapy he does, and it seems to be working for him mm-hmm. very well. I've been in DBT for three years. Dialectical behavioral therapy. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe that's it's, what he does. It was... It's been associated with um, borderline personality, but actually a lot of people improve from, from doing it. It's basically life skills to do when you're about to hit a crisis. Um, so it's just like more tangible stuff, like actual things, teaches you like how to interact with others, like normal training stuff that you should be taught in school, but no one ever actually teaches you. Like, it's weird to me in American culture, like, we've just disregarded the whole social aspect of learning. Like, they'll talk about science, they'll talk about history, but they don't talk about how do we interact with others, how do we handle our own stress in our own lives, what do we do to calm ourselves, what things can we explore and learn about ourselves as as an individual. You know, and it, it's I just like... That, I think that a lot of people... Um, a lot of people just get all that, and some people don't. Like, my son has well, Asperger's, so I walked, you know, there's so many things that other people just naturally pick up on or right. get that he doesn't right. naturally get. Some people have to be taught that stuff, yeah. and it's just like, it's been helpful for me because when I'm in a crisis, I know actual factual stuff that I can do, scientific stuff that I can do yeah. that either will change my body chemistry or help me cope better or whatever. And a lot of it is just like, yeah, yeah, I know, whatever. But some of it is really helpful. Yeah, I just, like, I'm supposed to eat better and exercise. Yeah, well, that's what my doctor says. DBT, DBT is a lot different than that. But they don't. But I don't do any of that. I mean, maybe it'll work. I've never tried I've never tried. I hate exercising, though. And, I, and eating shit makes me feel good. Like, I ate just straight up. Actually, that's a skill. It's called self-soothing. Eat up straight I think... One of the DBT skills is self-soothe, and eating chocolate is on the list for self-soothe. Oh, well, I eat, so. like... I eat, like... I had Nutella for a long time. Um, oh, man. Yeah, me yeah, too. Just straight out the jar. I got it. 
not buy that because I do the same straight out of the jar. I moved a bedroom furniture and there were just like Nutella spoons under my bed and lids. It was bad. I saw the whole, we had, uh, my boyfriend I had at the time, it was helping me move my room around um, to make it habitable for two people instead of just one. Uh, We found all this stuff and he wouldn't let me get rid of it individually. We had to pile it all together so I saw the real, I was like, oh my god, I did not understand the depths of my Nutella until I saw all this, just empty jars and spoons. And they advertise it like it's healthy because it's hazelnut. Mmm. Yeah, there's a little protein in there. But the other things are not good, like yellow cake batter. I I can't (laughs) spin that into something good. I mean, I guess there's egg in there, but it's raw. Uh, Or uh, vanilla frosting, straight Mm. out of the container. Mm. used to be marshmallow cream. That was my first one. Oh, my God. But it's fat-free. Marshmallow cream's fat-free. Just a bunch of calories. Just fluffy marshmallows. (laughs) So I think that might be one thing that was learned as a child, because no matter how poor we were, we always had food around. Right. And it's just like, you don't te- have to teach me how to self-soothe. I know how to do that. Yeah. Just hang out with my fridge. Yeah. But, I mean, like, the skills are deeper than that. Like, yeah. it, you use that in a short-term manner. Like, yeah. that skill specifically, that's, like, only supposed to be used when you're in a crisis. I'm always in a crisis in my head. <laughs> in a crisis for chocolate. <laughs> my brain constantly puts me, like, See, that's my problem. My it's like, my life would be better if I had more balance. Like, if I knew how to... With my anxiety makes me my makes me have the physical sensations of being in a crisis. Yes. When I'm not. Right. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. But I but feel I'm, like I'm gonna die. So I have to. So yeah. I'll eat some marshmallow cream, and I'll or I eat way too much vanilla frosting, and then like I was eating some the other night, and Drayden was like, "You're gonna make you're yourself gonna make sick. yourself sick. You should probably put that away." And of course, did that work? No. I was like, no, I'm going to finish the whole container now. Yeah, Why'd you why? say shit? Why did you say something? Now I have to prove it. Now if I put it, I was, I was literally on the last yes. spoonful. I was but going to eat it. But now you said something, now I got to... Now she said something, if I put it away, it's going to look like I'm doing it because you said to. Mm-hmm. So now i got to eat the whole jar. Don't fucking tell me. God damn it. Now i got to eat this whole jar and I'm going to be sick and it's going to be your fault. Uh-oh. <laughs> Crazy dog. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I think that, I think we're having a better understanding in society of mental illness, and it's, it, there are more people, there's the whole movement of, uh, in the stigma and all that, so people can actually talk about it, um, and discuss it, and without it being a shameful thing. And like so many, I think there's, I think that there's way more mental illness out there than people um, talk about. Right, and a lot of people are undiagnosed as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like all the narcissists. Yeah. 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 They're running our country. Everybody running our country is mentally ill right now. Um, but you know, if I had been born like a rich white man, oh my god. That's what I'm saying. Privileged white guy. Because I have. I have the ego. I totally could have. Like, I really like things to be about me. That's another reason I love comedy. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's I need to get up there on stage. And everyone's listening to you. They have to, whether and they like you, it or not. 
And I've noticed, if you tell them to do something, they usually do it. Just because right. you're holding a microphone. You tell them to scream, and they'll scream. Well, how's everybody doing? Raise your hand. Like, And if they don't do it, you... Walk you, like you, a duck. Like, people will just fucking... Shit. You're all you're doing like, is Like, y'all didn't scream louder. You suck. I deserve more screams than that. And then they scream and louder. And they do. Yeah, it's The awesome. power of the microphone the is incredible. And I've mm. been thinking about that lately. I'm like... I can get up here and command a crowd yeah. just by having the mic. Yeah, and they're all looking at me. Yes. I have a post-mortem plan to continue to get attention. That's why I'm donating my body to the body farm. Because... You're going to grow stuff? No. Uh, it's it's They do the like CSI training there, yeah. and they'll stick your body out, and then they come out every day with their clipboard and, and pay progress. attention to yeah. you every day. Right. Yeah, and so I'm still going to get attention. <laughs> When I'm dead, every day, I'll be like, you know, exhibit A497 has this larvae today, but they're going to be out there looking at my body every day, and I'm still going to be, they're going to be giving me attention. I don't want to just be burnt up and forgotten about. Well, there's new ones where you can be turned into a tree. Yeah, that they're just going to cut me down. And use me for someone's house. Use me for someone's house, or... What if they cut me down, and, and that, and I'm used like in some dildo. sort of shitty executive order by some shitty president, you know, like, part of me has been put into this fucking executive order that tells us we have to round up all the Muslims and put them in camps, and that was me, my genetics were in that fucking plant, I don't trust human beings with right. plants, they, they fuck them all up. I mean, I guess you could use me to grow some weed. Yeah, and then we yeah, could smoke you. Yeah, could smoke me. That'd be fun. But then would we have the essence of your comedy, and we could, like, record ourselves while we're high on you, and, like, be like you were doing a comedy show. Yeah. You can channel me. Yeah. Everyone can tell my pee-pad joke. They all know that one. Everybody knows that. Well, that's... I... 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 You're I... pee pad woman. I know. I'm, I'm known as a slasher. <laughs> Women, like, love that joke, though, because, like, that's another thing we don't talk about, like... They can relate. We're all walking around wearing pee pads, and we're all ashamed. We're ashamed. And no one is talking about it. No more shame on the pee pads. But they're getting... I don't know if I'm getting older or if the women on the pee pad commercials are getting younger. Because I'm like... I'm like, wait, wait. Look at this chick on this Depends. She's not peeing on this, is she? They used to be old ladies on the pee pads. They're not now. They're like women in their 40s. But they've all been wearing pee pads. You know how many women come up to me and talk to me about how they wear pee pads? Everyone's wearing pee pads and no one's talking about it. I wanted to start a whole Twitter thing where I get, like, a sign, and they're like, pee pad pride, and I take a picture of them when they come up to me and tell me they wear a pee pad. They wouldn't like that. Mm. They need to, we need to... Because we need to get rid of the stigma of pee pads. We need to stop being ashamed of our bodily functions mm -hmm. and our chemical, like, farting. Yeah. Like, fucking fart. <laughs> Why can't women fart? Like, like, oh no, I'm not going to fart around my boyfriend. I don't know. Well, I just have always been shamed fart. for farting, even as a kid. Oh, we laughed about it. My family would fart on that. We'd fart on each other. Yeah, well, no one liked Society it when Erica taught farted because it stunk. Oh. Society so taught me. I was shamed. Everybody else could fart, but if Erica farted, everyone um, left the room. Society taught me not to fart in front of, like, it wasn't sexy and cute. No, my family taught me not to fart because it was seen? gross. And so all through high school, I dealt with a lot of the constipation problems. <laughs> Really bad, like gas bloating. Like I would, I remember being on a mission trip drive, like down to Arizona or some shit, 
It was like a seven, like a twelve-hour drive or some shit, and I did not fart on the bus. And each time I needed to fart, it would just build up and bubble, and I'd hold it in, and it just kept hurting worse and worse. And I was like, now if I let it go, it's just gonna be ridiculous. And then like I'd go, <laughs> we'd stop at like a McDonald's, and I'd go in there and I'd try and force it out, but then nothing would come out, and it was just pain, pain for twelve hours trying to hold in a fart, because I didn't want to lose friends. You want to be the stinky fart girl. Yeah. Everybody fucking farts. See, that's a and lesson in life. When you hold... It's not oh, healthy. When you hold in your true self, you end up hurting yourself. Yeah, you gotta let it all out. You gotta let everything out. You gotta let the farts out and the pee out and the mental illness and the emotions. <laughs> we all need to be freer with everything because we all have it. We all fart. If you got and it, flaunt it. Just about everybody probably has a mental illness of some sort. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to fucking accept it. That's when I when I meet people that are truly happy, I don't believe it. Like, like Dan, Dan the man. Yeah. I told him that. Yeah. Like, like I love it when you said that. I was like, when I first met you, I thought I was like, there's no way this dude is He goes so home happy. and wants to slash his wrists at night. This yeah. is all an but act for society. Is just a happy person. Happy. And I'm like, where did, what genetics do you have? I was like, like, do you ever get depressed? And he said something about somebody dying and he got sad about that. I was like, no, uh, people die, people get sad, that's normal. Yeah. Like, do you ever just get sad for no fucking reason? He's like, nope. And I'm like, I'm not, like, oh. How's that? Like, I want those genetics. Yeah, like, what? What strain did you come from? But those, those people are rare. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, I know. It's like the majority of people are not like that. No, to be genuinely just that way, happy all the time, just so happy. God, it makes me sick. It does. Fucking yeah, I can sick. only handle in limited doses. Cause it, it just makes me feel worse about myself. Oh God, you're making me feel like I feel bad. Yeah, like you're so fucking happy. God <laughs> damn, you and your people. Like, I'm like more comfortable with depressed people than I am. Overly happy people. <laughs> Especially if they're like a dark, comedic, yes. hap, uh, depressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I, If they're like an Eeyore depressed that just like, everything sucks, if they're funny about it, then I can enjoy that. But yeah, people are just really happy all the time. I'm like, I can't, I don't know what to do with right. them. And they're just always so positive about everything they say. Yeah. I don't know. My dad's never dealt with like, depression and so he can't wrap his head around that so it's just kind of the opposite like, yeah no i guess that's how like people with, yeah they don't get it they they're like it. i don't understand how you can be that way but it's like when people talk about how horrible their families are how horrible their parents were as children. you hear these horrible stunning people are just terrible they're mm -hmm. children yeah i mean i'm like i don't like i have one friend Chris, and we both had this same thing, we were like, I always hear these people talk about it, and I have nothing to relate to that, because my parents were great. They, I thought they weren't, when I was a teenager, I thought my mom was a bitch, but I was just an asshole. It was mm -hmm. me, it was not her. She didn't deserve any of the hell I gave her. So, uh, but yeah, I'm like, I can't even imagine growing up in a family that behaves that way, because like... Like, the men in my family are all good men, and they treat their women uh, like queens, and they're nice to them, and they don't cheat, and they don't, 
abuse their women and they usually it's a if mama ain't happy nobody's happy situation and uh they're all just really great guys so it's like and then i go out to society and most dudes are not. not great they're not great they're not great guys and so people are like you just need to find someone like your brother i'm like apparently i'm related to all the decent men right because i said the same thing about my brother he's like the best, most romantic, loving, caring, give yeah. me anything. I've been given great person. examples of what I yeah, should Yeah, and my be dad's with. the exact same way. It's but my mom that's something they're else. They're rare. But yeah, it's... The rarity of decent human beings. Mm -hmm. My mom told me that the other, last night. She said the path is narrow. And I was like, okay. Like, I get it. I get it, Mom. But she was basically telling me that I need to start making Christian friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christian friends are boring. Yes, they are. I have nothing to relate to them with. All they want to talk about is Jesus. I can't relate. <sighs> They're so boring. I mean, I guess that might be what it's like to hang out with comedians, though, because all we end up ever talking about is comedy. What is this whistling noise? I don't know. Are you hearing it? I am. Is there a bird outside? I don't know. I think we can wrap up the podcast. Okay. Here. So, uh, I have, like, a plan when I first started these things, but it's like, you can't plan mental illness, let's just talk, let's rap about it. Um, so then, uh, a song, I like to put a song at the end, I actually stole this, I'm gonna go ahead from a podcast, uh, called Empty Girlfriend, that, uh, uh, some comedians in, uh, Denver do, and, well, one's in LA now, but they still do it, and they get it, it's about relationships and love, so they get a song that's like a happy love song or a sad love song or something that people listen to that's about relationships and stuff. So do you have a song that like, uh, either like is a good description of your mental illness or something you listen to when you're sad or happy or, you know what I'm saying, like a song? Mm, all my songs are sad. But I do have one that probably... Like your go-to. There's, there's one that the lyrics... <laughs> pretty much align with my general feeling about stuff and that song is called Smother, Smother. by Daughter. By Daughter. And I get to listen to new music I didn't you know. You listen to it right now? <coughs> we can listen to it. Or are you going to add it at the end? I will add it at the end. Oh, okay. I will find an audio of it and I will add it on at the okay. end. Cool. But now I have you saying it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna, you know, I don't edit the video. No one's gonna watch. No one's watching it anyway. I'm gonna throw it all on YouTube, the whole thing. No one gives a shit. Um, What's up? Welcome to my house. I can cut out. I'll cut out the very beginning before we actually. Got what about started. this fatness? You keep that in there. You're you're skinnier than I am. No, I mean just like the lack of preparation in my appearance. Oh, yeah, and, I didn't tell her. And the her. slack on the couch as well. Like I I'm didn't. Just kind of balled up here. I didn't prepare you. There's no that. warning. My job is really distracting. I got cotton mouth because I'm high. My and job. I don't even have water here because I was This is what I'm talking about. My job distracting me from attention to detail when it comes to my other things I actually care about. I'm going to offer you some water before we start talking because yeah. mouths get dry. I know. It's okay. I didn't prepare you for the video. She wasn't prepared. Not video. no preparation. This is all natural Erica Prophet. I like it like that. Mm. I want the real deal. I want to see you in your raw state. That's why I like coming to your house better than the studio. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to do this all more my art often. In here. Yeah, there's all your art in here. And your fucking... I like your house. I like the color scheme. It's very chill. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. 
I like it. It's all about relaxation, man. It is. It's a very relaxed environment. I'm digging it. Digging it a lot. So daughter, smother. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that artist. So I'm excited to go. I don't know when. Another great one is um, Shallows by Daughter. I actually enjoy that song more, but lyrically, the Smother song relates more to my issues, which, you know, she puts it eloquently. Eloquently. I don't, I don't have it. Never 
start to count down Will you just Will you run away Will you run away Or let it all rain down From the blood-stained clouds Or come If you leave